Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And happy Thursday, Las Vegas. What's up, everybody? Great to have you with us. It is the Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Some fun stuff to talk about today. We'll talk about the real issues, of course, because it is Thursday, and on Thursdays we talk about real issues. You know, on Tuesdays we might talk about how Costco is selling massive amounts of stockpile macaroni and cheese. On Wednesdays we might talk about about, you know, uh, someone that um, rides around in a shopping cart at Walmart drinking alcohol from a Pringles uh, potato chip can. These are things we might talk about on other days of the week. But on Thursdays, on Thursdays, some would call it the best day of the week. It is one of my favorites. Uh, on Thursdays, we talk about issues, deep, meaningful thought-provoking things, and sometimes uh, some fun stuff just, you know, because. We mentioned this earlier in the week. Oh, by the way, for those of you just tuning in, my name is Crystal Heath. I am the, uh, obviously, host of The Friddle Show, which is what you're listening to. Friddle is a nickname for Crystal. That's a long story, which I'm not going to get into today, but that's why we call it The Friddle Show. We broadcast here on KVXL, and you can find podcasts of this and past episodes on both SoundCloud and iTunes, if that is something that you would like to do is listen to past episodes I would love for you to do that please go and do that that would be that would be lovely um and we broadcast uh, from the campus of Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, which if you are looking for a place to go to church on Sunday, 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday morning are our service times, 6 p.m. Sunday evening. Okay, so earlier this week we talked about how the world is coming to an end because how dare the president serve the national champion Clemson Tigers football team fast foods. The president, of course, didn't do himself any favors when he tweeted out uh, that he bought uh, like a thousand hamburgers with a misspelling of hamburgers. But, you know, those of us that have a sense of humor just pick that up and we combine it with kofefi, right? So now you can have hamburgers and kofefi, and that is essentially a well-balanced meal while the president is in office, or so we would think. The president and his uh, his... Staff let us know that the main reason why fast food was served was because the White House is short-staffed and because of, you know, budget issues. The president personally purchased these fast food items for the players and uh, they were served on the silver platters <laughs> because they... Um, because because of the of the government down, and he was saying if the Democrats would just come back and work on the wall and work on immigration, then we could get this taken care of and the government could reopen. Republicans seem to be standing strong on this issue. They are not going to budge. Democrats also seem to have no inclination whatsoever of being willing to negotiate, and thus the government shutdown continues. Uh, this is affecting real people in real ways. Um, I think a lot of the stories that you you read 
uh, online and social media that are being presented by different members of Congress are very sensationalized, some of which I don't think ever even happened at all. But this is affecting uh, real people. There are people that are not getting paychecks. And before you say, well, uh, well, they're just getting a paid vacation. No, they're, they're not getting their paycheck. So the question is, could you pay your mortgage for the next two months without getting a paycheck? Could you put food on the table if you were not getting a paycheck? Now, you know, and, and we should have a conversation about that. We should have a conversation about how this is affecting real people. And if Democrats and Republicans want to do good for the country and for those that are employed by the government, uh, we need to get this taken care of. It also uh, should, I think, spark a, a thread of thought, at least, if not conversation, among the rest of us Americans who are not employed by the government to say, what would I do if I was in their situation? Do I have the financial ability uh, to take care of myself and my family should I be faced uh, with a similar situation that these families find themselves in? And I'm not saying you need to have, you know, a million dollars in the bank. If you do, that's awesome. And if you want to share some of it with me, we can work that out later. But you need to be uh, financially secure. You need to work on developing a savings account. Now, again, that, 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 this is going to look different for different people, all right? Some people need to focus on paying down debt. Other people need to work on uh, building savings. Other people need to work on investing. There's different levels of financial freedom and financial stability, but uh, there there are just basic tenets that you should be working through. You should be uh, looking towards that next step. Wherever you are uh, in your personal financial journey, you should always be uh, at least trying to move forward, trying to improve, trying to do whatever it is, is your next step. If you don't know what that is, you need to go through Financial Peace University. Go to DaveRamsey.com. I don't think we are having it uh, here at Liberty as a class uh, in this semester, if you will, of connections classes, but hopefully uh, we'll get it back in the fall. But you don't have to wait for that. You can literally go, you can buy this class yourself. You can, um, you can invite friends over to watch it with you. Maybe you even charge them an entrance fee for your, <laughs> for your house party for financial freedom. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm just saying this is a good opportunity for we the people to have a national conversation about the fact that most of us have no money in the bank and would not be able to sustain ourselves right now if we were government employees. And we need to think about that before we go and mock people and just say, oh, well, they're taking an a unpaid vacation and they're going to be paid for this vacation as soon as the government reopens. Okay, okay. But what do they do right now? So th this is affecting real people. All right, and excuse me, just a second. Sorry, I am, I think, on the tail end of a cold, which is going away finally, but uh, it still acts up once in a while. And the more I talk, the more phlegm seems to gather. But anyway, you didn't really need to know that, but I, I just wanted to share that with you. So this is affecting real people, right? And, and both sides, they tend to each side emphasizes the things they want to emphasize and downplays the things they want to downplay. So a lot of times what you'll see is is Democrats and liberals will portray themselves as the champion of the little guy, the champion of the people, and we care about the people. And if you cared about the people, you would reopen the government. And they have a legitimate concern. There are people that are hurting because of this. And then you have Republicans who say, look, we have a problem. We need to fix the problem. We want to work with you on fixing the problem Let's fix the problem. And they have a legitimate issue. We just need to come together, guys. Sing a little kumbaya. Now let's talk about this. Now, I, I have some ideas. I have a few ideas. 
because everyone is is fussing. Uh, Trump is asking for five billion to build the border wall. Now, five billion dollars is obviously a lot of dollars. If I had, you know, one one hundredth of five billion dollars, I would be, I would be very very happy. I mean, I'm happy with it, but you know, it would be it would be a great blessing in my life. So five billion dollars, yeah, that is a ton of money. When Democrats tell you the president wants a lot of money for this, that's true. It is a lot of money. But when Republicans tell you that there's a drop in the bucket and the president is hardly asking for anything to build the wall, that's also true when you put it in perspective. All right. Comparatively to the national budget, five billion dollars is really small, really minuscule. And and here here is my solution. Okay, instead of saying, well, this is so much money or, well, it's hardly any money. why, Why don't we just look at where maybe we are wasting money? And maybe something that we are wasting money on could be, you know, ended um, in order to provide for building a wall. You're like, well, well, give us some examples. Okay, how about sugar subsidies? We spend $1.2 billion a year on sugar subsidies. Now, why is it that in many states... We have taxes, an extra tax on sodas and other sugary drinks because we're taxing the sugar. And yet our federal government is regularly providing subsidies for the production of sugary drinks. I mean, five years of savings of just eliminating sugar subsidies. And we all agree, right, that less sugar in our world is a good thing. If you are a parent of a three-year-old, you understand this, right? So everybody's like, oh, we want less sugar. Okay, then, you know, we could just get rid of the sugar subsidy and the five-year savings on a sugar subsidy would be $6 billion, which is more than what the president is asking for uh, for border security. Just a thought. Here's another one. Amtrak. We have, we, uh, we the people, federally subsidize Amtrak. If we re- eliminated the federal subsidy of Amtrak, we would save nearly $10 billion in five years. So everything the president is asking for doubled. Amtrak could then be turned over to the private sector and, you know, might actually do better than it is right now. As right now, it, it, it dies. Amtrak dies without federal subsidies. And who is it that uses Amtrak the most? Us on the if you live on the west coast, you may not even know. Amtrak is a train. It's a it's a train service, and it's very popular with commuters in oh, let's say um hmm, government sectors along the east coast. I'm not saying that Amtrak is a bad thing. I've I've been on Amtrak before. It is very convenient for many commuters. But if it was turned over to a to a private uh, company or to the private sector, that could save us a ton of money. What about unused federal real estate? $1.7 billion was what you and I as a taxpayer spend annually to maintain federal buildings that are not used. Not federal buildings that are currently being utilized. No, no, no. Buildings that we, the people, or the feds, depending on how you want to look at it, own. We own these buildings. We have to maintain them, but they are not used at all. So one, we could either just stop maintaining them and net two billion dollars yearly essentially or we could sell these properties and recoup that two billion annually and then quite a bit on top of it 
that would pay for the border wall. It would pay for security. It would pay for uh, increasing in federal funding for education. Um, you want to give federal workers a raise? We could do that. Uh, we could pr- increase heating assistance for low-income households. We could settle more refugees here and abroad than ever before. Like, there's so much money that could be made just by ending the 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 funding that we're putting into buildings that we don't even use at all. <sighs> then you have just you know waste fund. Fund? No. Waste. Fraud. Fraud is the word. Wow. My brain. Um, you know, we spent... We spent $18 million to support tourism in Egypt. Now, look, I, I like Egypt. I've been to Egypt. I, I want to help maintain Egypt, I guess. But not to the tune of $18 million. And that's that's just the beginning. Okay? We spend... We spent $3 million to research the screen time people spend on World of Warcraft. It's a computer and or video game. $3 million. We spent $1 million creating zoo poetry to, quote, promote environmental awareness. How do you... This is another thing, and I may have mentioned this before. But how do you become the person that gets paid, I'm assuming, a lot of money to write poems for a zoo? What? I don't understand. Um, 765828 dollars on pancakes. Yes, your tax dollars subsidized an IHOP in an underserved area of Washington, D.C. Again, how how does this happen? How do you 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 go and you you're like I'm going to have a franchise restaurant. Cool. You open it in an underserved area and then the government gives you $765,000. We spent $169,000 to study monkeys who throw their feces. We spent $914,000, essentially almost $1 million, studying romance novels. We spent $5 million to study the drinking habits of college students on college game days. We spent $5 million on hipster parties with the goal of ending smoking. $2 million for the Department of Agriculture to fund an internship program. I'm actually okay with that. Until you find out that the program hired one full-time intern, and I guarantee you that intern was not paid $2 million. We pay $120 million to dead federal employees. We paid $2,600,000 to encourage prostitutes in China to drink responsibly. This is a real thing. I'm not making this up, okay? We spent $505,000 to promote specialty hair and beauty products for cats and dogs. $27 million on teaching Moroccans how to make pottery. You know, they been doing it for centuries. They can probably do it better than we can do it. We spent $200,000 on a tattoo removal program in California. $60,000 for the IRS to create a parody film of Star Trek and Gilligan's Island mashed together. And you know that was a disaster because you never heard of it until I just said so right now. 
We spend a million dollars every year for NASA to create a food menu for a Mars mission that is decades, if not centuries, away. All right, probably not centuries. You get it, though. We spent nearly $5 million to dress students up in fruit costum- costumes and encourage them to eat healthy. We spent $10 million on creating two video games. Our government spent $10 million to create two video games aimed at fighting obesity. What child wants to play a video game that is about not being fat? We spent $900,000 studying the social interactions of guppies. We spent $6.3 million for a VA facility in California to buy artwork. Tell me that there are not amazing people in this country with great talents who would not have donated all the artwork that facility could ever want or need. But wait, there's more. We spent $10 million to study dog tail wagging. $325,000 to build a robot squirrel. $2.5 million on coasters for bars that say if you see something, say something. $31 million on first class flights in four years for the Department of Health and Human Services alone. Imagine if our employees in the Department of Health and Human Services flew in economy like the rest of us. We would save money, and I bet there would be regulations that made seats bigger. We spent $1.3 million studying the effectiveness of koozies in keeping drinks cold. Mm-hmm. We spent $5 million to tweet responses to pro-ISIS rhetoric. Who? <laughs> How many people are being employed by that $5 million? Because I would like a piece of that pot. I could keep going. I could keep going. Senator Rand Paul, in his uh, in his festivist grievances every December, he, he, cr- he releases this massive... Uh, expose of things that the federal government wastes money on. And I took that, I took some of um, uh, Caleb Hall, he works for uh, Targeted Victory, he's a great follow on Twitter. Uh, He had some stats and then Daily Wire had some stats and I mashed them all together for you to give you that. Okay? It's his waste report. I'm sorry, that's what it's called. Senator Rand Paul um, does a waste report every year. And those are just some of the things. I didn't even mention them all. Just some of the ones that I didn't think were appropriate to mention on a family show. But you would not believe the things that we study. I mean, we studied... We studied... We studied... Um, we studied quails on cocaine. And the effects of, of cocaine on quails. I don't... We studied horse and donkey hunting on the ancient Anatolian Peninsula for $362,000. We studied daydreaming for $2.5 million. We developed a Pashto-language TV drama series for Afghanistan for $653,000. I mean, it just... It just goes on... And on, and on, and on. And we are at a stalemate in Washington, D.C. We have families that can't pay the bills because Democrats and Republicans are fighting over whether or not we can fund 
Trump's uh, immigration reforms, including the wall, for a grand total of $5 billion. Yes, $5 billion is a lot of dollars. I can't even begin to imagine what my bank account would look like if it had five billion. Like it, 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 uh, there are no thoughts in my head that can even begin to comprehend that amount of money. But our debt is at $22 trillion. That now, now, now you've taken on a whole, my mind is just reeling with the number of zeros. Our spending is absolutely out of control. I mean, beyond out of control. You could not run your home the way the federal government runs our country. It would not work. You would, you would be in prison if we still had a poorhouse. Like it, it just is unbelievably horrific what our government does with money. So on one hand, I am, I am appreciative of those on the left who are saying, you know what, this is a lot of money, we can't afford this. But that's not the focus of their argument. The focus of their argument isn't that we can't afford it. It's that, oh, this is cruel and unusual to prohibit people from just pouring into our country as they desire. No, it's not. It's not at all unusual. <laughs> all right? We have a process. We have a system in place. We welcome more people annually than any other country on the planet. We do more to help other countries around the world and to help refugees. Uh, just if you go and look at actual numbers, it is mind-boggling what the United States does for people all around the world, for the number of people that we allow into our country, for the number of people that come here seeking asylum that are allowed to stay, we simply do not have the infrastructure, and it is foolish of any country to simply have open borders and say, whoever wants to come in, come right ahead, doesn't matter, everything's cool, just come on in. That's not how government works, all right? But that is the crux of the argument for most of those who are opposed to this issue on the left. It's not about the fact that, hey, here's a chunk of money we got to spend. No, it's about the fact that this is so sad and cruel. It's not, you know, what's sad and cruel is to rip a child from their home and make them trek thousands of miles in, in, a, in a caravan of abusive individuals where we know uh, that women and children are suffering regularly and being used and abused on a regular basis, kidnappings, rapes. I mean, it just, oh, it makes me so angry when, when, when we're told that what we're doing at the southern border is inhumane and cruel. No, what's inhumane and cruel is what's happening before they ever get there. All right? I mean, it is merciful what happens if they are taken in by ICE compared to what is going on before they get to the border for most of these families. But if you, if you want to have the issue be the money, that I can see. That I understand. Yeah, we shouldn't be spending more money. But you know what? We waste so much money. We could just cut out a couple of the things we may waste money on. Maybe we don't study uh, quails on cocaine. Maybe we don't make a TV series for the Afghans this year. Maybe we don't fly all of our government employees in first class. Maybe we stop subsidizing Amtrak. Maybe we stop subsidizing sugar. I mean, there, there's so many things that we could look at and say, well, if this is a money issue, well, cut, cut, cut. Look, voila, money appears. And I wish that 
that could be the conversation that we have. Not this fake social justice warrior conversation of how unjust and unfair and unprogressive it is uh, for us to be so inhumane at the border. No, that's not even accurate. What is accurate is that, yeah, it's going to cost $5 billion for what the president wants. And yeah, that's a lot of money. And yeah, you know what? We waste a ton of money. And if we would just stop wasting a little bit of money, we could fund the wall and more. <sighs> Rant officially done. I don't know what we're going to talk about in the rest of the program because, uh, you know, that was my main topic. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm not kidding. I, I'm not entirely sure. But I will, um, you know, come up with something brilliant in the next five minutes while you are listening to music. You often wonder, don't you, why I put on music? It's it's really, um, there are multiple purposes, okay? So if you listen to a traditional radio station, they will have, like, commercial breaks. Commercial breaks in this industry last anywhere from, like, 30 seconds to six, seven, eight minutes sometimes. I mean, insane amount of commercials. What do you think happens in that time frame? Your radio host might get a drink of water or blow their nose or you know run across the playground to the other building to use the facilities that are over there there are just things that happen in life because you are human and so there are commercial breaks you thought it was to make money no it is to give the host a chance to take a breath and uh and do what needs to be accomplished like right now I really my nose is starting to run again I have to take a break because it's not going to be pretty to have that be on the air you thought it was about money it's not it's not and so since I don't have uh, commercials because we're a non-profit station what we do is we play music instead for our fake commercial breaks and now you know <laughs> now you know the rest of the story. Don't go away. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. I'm Crystal Heath. This is The Fertile Show, and we'll be back in just a few moments. All right, we are back. Welcome. You're listening to me, Crystal Heath, on The Fertile Show. Talk to you, insert your name here, on the radio or maybe on the podcast. You can catch us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for The Fertile Show and you can get past episodes or even this one, but not right now, right? Because it's, but it's live on the radio. It can't be live on iTunes. That's not how it works. So you got to give it a day or two uh, to get up there. Since it's Thursday, we are talking about the real issues facing Americans today. We spent the entirety of the first segment uninterrupted talking about uh, the facts, the money, the dollars of the immigration wall issue really not the immigration issue uh not the immigration issue at all just the um the money aspects of the wall immigration in and of itself is a whole other thing but the money side of the wall and the shutdown and what is continuing this madness if you will we went through that in the whole first part of the program if you missed it apologies but again it'll be on on uh, on on the things iTunes and SoundCloud later on you can go and listen to it there so we're going to move on to other issues that you may or may not have known were facing Americans okay there's this site called cntraveler.com and a guy named Elliot Stein wrote an article about travel addiction apparently this is an actual thing according to Dr. Michael Brine a social psychologist who specializes in travel and intercultural communication 
and this is really a fascinating article, okay? If you like to travel, you should look it up. It's called Travel Addiction is Real. But it talks about how uh, in 1886, there was a French guy named Jean Albert Dadas who wandered into a hospital in Bordeaux. After deserting the French army five years earlier, the pathological tourist, as he was called, relentlessly crisscrossed Europe on foot for five years, reaching Berlin, Prague, Moscow, and Constantinople before succumbing to exhaustion. By the time Dadas arrived in Bordeaux, he had no memory of his travels whatsoever. After treating the man for several weeks, psychiatrists sought to exp- explain his extreme version of the travel bug with a diagnosable condition. This is my favorite part. Dramomania. Dramomania. Sometimes called vagabond neurosis, the term was officially added to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders as an impulse control disorder and psychiatric problem in 2000. The definition states, quote, sufferers have an abnormal impulse to travel. They are prepared to spend beyond their means, sacrifice jobs, lovers, and security in their lust for new experiences. It's very interesting. While no one that we are aware of has blacked out on a multi-year odyssey since Dada's epic trance, the term dramomania has recently reemerged as a common way to describe and diagnose a new breed of extreme wanderers known as competitive travelers. And then it goes on to talk about how there is a growing element of the global population that is literally addicted to travel. They're on an insatiable quest to know the world, to experience everything there is to experience, and to see as much as possible, to document as much as possible on the way. Now, I think that this is partially just part of the increasing uh, usage of social media and of the continuing development of the world. This is not uh, something that is new to mankind. Throughout our history, man has said, what is over there? I'm going to go find out. This is how we explored uh, explored the world for much of our much of our past. And they would say, "Well, I'm going to go settle in this place. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do that. I want to see if the world is flat. I want to see if I can get another trade route to the West Indies." All some of the world's greatest discoveries are because people had a desire to travel. Now it's a whole other thing, though. Now it's a matter of, we know what's out there, but we can't just stay home. We have to go see, we have to go experience it. I think this is actually, though, a positive thing. I, I Now, obviously not to the point of where people are spending beyond their means and sacrificing their jobs and their families and their security uh, in, in, in the process. But I like that there is a growing concern that people worldwide, and particularly Americans, have a desire to go and to do. And here's why. Nearly half, uh, no, Americans, excuse me, Americans spend nearly half of our waking hours looking at screens. Researchers calculate that the average adult logs six hours, 43 minutes, or basically seven hours um, of total screen time daily, or 7,956 days over a typical lifespan. That is an insane amount of time to spend looking at a screen. Now, screens come in many different sizes, shapes, and forms. When we're talking screens, um, by the way, that's 22 years of your life that you're spending looking at a screen. When they say it's essentially seven hours 
a day of screen time or 7,956 days over a lifespan. That's 22 years of your life. Think about that. You know, you, there's, I don't know about uh, Androids, but there is a feature on iPhones. So the iPhone will tell you how much time you averaged on your phone the previous week. Per day, per week, you can, you can find that out. And for, for a lot of us, this is a, a matter of need, not necessarily of want, right? Like there's a certain amount of time, uh, you know, for, for me and my job, I essentially spend almost the entire time that I'm in work on most days looking at a screen. And then if I'm looking at my phone, that just adds to it. And then if I watch Hogan's Heroes before I go to bed, that adds to the screen time. We're just accumulating screen time in our lives. We are wasting our lives away looking at screens. We are being entertained to death. There's a good book about that, but shameless plug. Another time. Um, 22 years of your life. The survey, according to studyfinds.org, found that 42% of the time Americans are awake, their eyes are fixated on a television, smartphone, computer, tablet, or other device. Supposing the average American slept eight hours a night, which isn't even close for most adults, the research calculated that people spend almost seven hours a day staring at a screen. The problem is only getting worse, however. Of those surveyed, 79% said their scream time has increased over the past five years, with 4 in 10 admitting that it has grown a lot. I would have to say that it has grown. My screen time has grown significantly in the past five years. 3 in 4 participants said they spend too much time in front of screens. So we know this is a problem, right? 75% of us say we spend too much time in front of screens. Uh, 53% take breaks from their computer by checking their phone. And 27% of us watch TV while scrolling on our phones, so we have two screens going at the same time. According to Dr. Michelle Andrews, an optometrist with uh, Cooper Vision, she said, We live in a digitally connected world, and these survey results show how digital devices have completely transformed our lives, no matter our age. Digital eye fatigue is faced by millions of Americans every day because of this non-stop screen time. So we're damaging our eyes. Oftentimes we're damaging relationships because we're putting screens ahead of people. And we're missing out on life. This is what excites me about this survey that says, hey, we have a problem with people being addicted to travel. Now, I, you know, I, I, I understand the addiction side of it and how that would be a problem. But I think it's really a good thing. If we have more and more people growing up and saying, hey, I don't want to see a picture of that. I don't want to watch a movie of that. I want to go there. I want to experience it. I want to live life. And when I saw this report uh, during our break and broke it down, 7,956 days, break that into years, 22 years of our lives we're spending looking at screens. Now, again, some of it can't be helped, right? When you're, if you, if you work with computers and you have to be looking at a computer screen while you're at work, then that can't be helped. But the times that it can be helped go outside, especially this time of year. The summer is coming and you're not going to want to be outside if you don't have a swimming pool. All right, go outside. Take your kids up to Mount Charleston. The rain we've had all this week while it's raining down here, it's snowing up there. It's gorgeous. And guys, don't stop at the the first little tiny minuscule sledding hill that you see. All right, a ditch is not a sledding hill. 
go and go sledding. Go up like go up by Mary Jane Falls. There's some nice little actual hills up there. There's uh, up by um Kyle Canyon. There's nice hill. Like go to where there's an actual hill. Go sledding. Build a snowman. Do you want to build a snowman? More Americans need to get outside and build a snowman with their kids. Like stop looking at the screen. Start making memories. All right? Start interacting with life with the world that God has given you. Now, we, we talk about being good caretakers of our planet, and we should be, but how much of the planet are you experiencing? Like, like put down the phone, turn off the TV, go outside. If you have pets, take them for a walk, teach them new tricks, do something to get away and get out. It's good for your mind, your body, your soul. I'm telling you this because I, I, I know it and I have been guilty of this. And I it's something that I am working on specifically this year. Um, well, I started working on last year, but it's still going on to where I want to know. I want my phone to tell me this is how much time you were looking at your phone last week. And every time I get that reminder, it's a, oh, okay, I'm going to do better. And I purposefully try to cut down each week how much time I'm spending in front of a screen. All right, you can pick up a book. This doesn't mean that your entertainment has to go away. There are other ways to be entertained, okay? There are so many good books out there. You could read a book to your family. You could read a book to yourself. You could read a book for fun. This is a thing. In fact, before televisions came along, this is one of the main ways that people were entertained. They read a book or, you know, they listened to a radio program. That's another great way. It's not a screen, so it doesn't count. <laughs> oh, my. But that's my that's my challenge to you this week, all right? I know it's not like a deep, penetrating, cultural issue like the building of the wall. But in many ways, it will probably have more impact on your life specifically than the wall. You making a conscious effort conscious effort to not spend 22 years of your life looking at a screen in a world that is run and functions around digital media to be able to take a step back to be able to break away to cut loose to unchain from the screen time that can change your life that can change your family's life All right, we're going to take another break here. When we return, we will wrap things up for this Thursday. Thanks for being with us. I'm Crystal Heath. Don't go away. We shall return momentarily. Steve Green with Find Us Faithful. I love that song. That was my uh, graduating class's high school theme song, which we sang at our graduation ceremony and you're like but I thought you were homeschooled crystal homeschoolers don't have graduation ceremonies actually some of us do you know we we even get a diploma that says that we learn stuff and we could maybe go to college if we want and get more smarts yeah yeah some of us some of us aren't as dumb as you think we are some of us homeschoolers are plotting together to take over the world and our plan is already in action and we're going to leave the rest of you behind. So take that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Of course that's not true. If it was true, I couldn't tell you. Or maybe I'm telling you so that you'll think it's not true when in reality it is. Mm-hmm. You may never know. But yeah, no, we sang it at my high school graduation, the church that I grew up in. Uh, we had um, uh, our homeschool group would host a graduation ceremony for the homeschooling graduating seniors each year and we would get together 
um, almost like a homeschool co-op type deal. And we would put together a graduation ceremony and then we could invite all our family and friends and we would have a graduating ceremony. And so that was the song that we sang that we chose together as a class that we would sing uh, for our graduation. So there you go. Now you know. The best thing that I got for my graduation, for my high school graduation, I'm holding it in my hand right now, it was Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening Daily Readings. This was given to me on May 24th, 2002. 17 years later, I still have this thing and use it regularly because this, of all the devotionals I've had in my life, this is probably my most favorite one because I think that Spurgeon is one of the best at, uh, at communicating simple truth but also communicating deep truth. I I think there are many devotionals that do really well at one or the other. There are devotionals that communicate simple truths really well, or there are devotionals that communicate deep truths really well. Spurgeon, I think, has found, or did find in his life, a great combination of the two, and that's why this has always been one of my favorite devotionals. And I'm actually going to read you yesterday uh, morning's devotional because uh, it was just, it was so good, and it hit me, it hit me um, more so than, than today's devotional. So I'm going to read this for you, and then we will wrap things up for this Thursday. But Spurgeon's devotional for yesterday was based on Isaiah 41, 14. And uh, it's, it's, it's so pertinent, I think, to American Christianity right now. And it says, I will help thee, saith the Lord. This morning, let us hear the Lord Jesus speak to each one of us. I will help thee. It is but a small thing for me, thy God, to help thee. Consider what I have done already. What? Not help thee? Why, I bought thee with my blood. What? Not help thee? I have died for thee, and if I have done the greater, will I not do the less? Help thee? It is the least thing I will ever do for thee. I have done more and will do more. Before the world began, I chose thee. I made the covenant for thee. I laid aside my glory and became a man for thee. I gave my life for thee. And if I did all this, I will surely help thee now. In helping thee, I am giving thee what I have bought for thee already. If thou hadst need of a thousand times as much help, I would give it thee. Thou requirest little compared with what I am ready to give. Tis much for thee to need, but it is nothing for me to bestow. Help thee? Fear not. If there were an ant at the door of thy granary asking for help, it would not ruin thee to give him a handful of thy wheat. And thou art nothing but a tiny insect at the door of my all-sufficiency. I will help thee. O my soul, is not this enough? Dost thou need more strength than the omnipotence of the Trinity has? Dost thou want more wisdom than exists in the Father, more love than displays itself in the Son, or more power than is manifest in the influence of the Spirit? Bring hither thine empty pitcher, surely this well will fill it. Haste, gather up thy wants, and bring them there, thy emptiness, thy woes, thy needs. Behold, this river of God is full for thy supply. What can you desire besides? Go forth, my soul, in this thy might. The eternal God is thine helper. You know, we are so blessed as Americans. I, I marvel at this, not daily, but regularly. We have running water, hot and cold, clean for drinking, suitable for bathing. We have swimming pools. We have public transportation. We, go, we gather to worship without fear of anything. We have sporting events. We have televisions. We have pets. We have vehicles with air conditioning. 
We have electricity that isn't determined by the government when, or we, when, when we may not use it. We have food in abundance. We have fast food in abundance. We have jobs. We have homes. We have friends. And oftentimes, when, when we have all we need, we forget the source of the provision of all that we have. And, and it's really twofold. Because on one hand, we should be more grateful for everything that we have. We should be thanking God every day for the incredible privilege and blessing it is to be Americans, to live in this country, and for the incredible things that we have that we utilize on a daily basis that a lot of the rest of the world still dreams about. And so we, we should be more grateful for the things that we already have. But there's a flip side of it too, isn't there? There's a flip side of thinking, but God's been so good to me already. Look at all this stuff I have. How could I possibly ask for more? I don't want to be selfish. And you might say, well, who has that problem? I, sometimes I do. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I really could use 20 bucks. But I don't want to ask God for 20 bucks. Look at all this stuff he's given me. You know, I could, I could just, you know, eat ramen next week and probably get the 20 bucks by just eating ramen. So if I feel bad or I feel guilty or I'm like, no, you know what, God doesn't, I don't need to ask God for that because I could just do this with what he's already given me and I can fix the problem. No, that's not, that's not what God wants from us. God wants us to come to him with our wants and our needs. And I love Spurgeon's line where he said, you require little with what, compared with what I am ready to give. God has it all. God wants to help you. God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. God wants to meet your needs and your wants no matter how big, no matter how small. Tell him what's going on. Tell him about your wants. He may not always give it to you. He may say, you know what? The way we should do this is you should eat ramen next week and that's how you'll get that 20 bucks. And that's okay. Or there might be another way that that comes along. We have not because we ask not. We need to remember that God isn't just some being who's off in the sky somewhere who we, he doesn't, we can't bother him with this stuff. No, he's got more important things going on. No, the most important thing God has going on is you. The most important thing to God is you. God gave his son for you. And what he wants is a relationship with you. He wants to be your father, your f- best friend. If, if, you, if you're saved, if you're not saved, then that's, that's where you need to start. You need to accept the best gift he's ever given. But if you're saved, don't stop there. That's just the beginning. And that's all the time that I have left for today. Thanks for being with us. It's a great Thursday in Las Vegas. Be sure you enjoy it. Get away from your screens. Spend some time with your family. Do something away, not screen related that you've never done before. Maybe read a book. Maybe you haven't started reading a book yet this year. Pick one up. Jump in. The water's great. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same place on KVXL. 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas, where our service times are 9.30 and 11.15 Sunday.
mornings, and we would love to have you with us. If you can't be here in person, you can always stream our service online by visiting our website at experienceliberty.com. Or if you're on Facebook, be sure to like us at Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, and you can catch a live stream of our services there as well. Tomorrow is Friday, which means I'll be giving some stuff away. So be sure to be here. Fun Friday tomorrow, or you can go to uh, KVXL 101 dot com and uh, and listen to the stream of our programming there all right all right cool i will see you tomorrow have a great day everyone